Mind Control presents episode 23, Creating for Individuals. This time, it's personal. Do me a favor. Unlock your phone and peruse some of the apps on your home screen. Now, think about some of the daily programs you use on your computer. What about online services like shopping and appointment booking? Chances are all the apps and programs are different than mine, different than your friends, and different from pretty much anyone out there. And that is awesome. We've hit a point where technology is being developed not only for what we want to accomplish and how we want to accomplish it, but also for who we are as individuals. Let me throw you an example. When you need to travel a fair distance in the city, are you immediately opening Uber, Lyft, Fasten, Zipcar, a local taxi app, AutoShare, Cardigo, maybe it's your city's local transit app? All these digital services are essentially doing the same thing. They're helping you get to where you need to go. But all these services function very differently based on the type of person they're targeting. Don't like how Tinder works for whatever reason? No big deal. Create a Bumble account. Fill out an eHarmony questionnaire. Try Buns Dating or download Lime, a new dating app that matches people based on data captured from their health apps. Feel like you've outgrown the stickers on Facebook Messenger? That's cool. Switch over to Allo, iMessage, WhatsApp, Instagram chat, Twitter DMs. The list is endless. If you've ever developed a product, a campaign, a website, or pretty much anything, there's a common and crucial first step, understanding who you're creating for. Today, we're talking about the importance of creating and designing for individuals and not groups, personalities instead of demographics. When it comes to our technology, our devices, our apps, our programs, and basically anything we use, we've got choices. And as technology evolves and gets even smarter, we'll be given even more choice. Designs, user experiences, brand directions, content strategies, all these decisions are being made with individuals in mind. And it's no longer based on what an individual does, it's about what they like, what they believe, where they are in their lives, and who they are as unique people. We're experiencing a wonderful evolution in the digital age where individuality defines the technology we use. But by creating for individuals, are we only catering to an extremely small target market? And what about how people evolve? Can our programs grow with us? Will we inevitably outgrow some of the programs we use purely based on who we become as people? People change as individuals, but will our programs? Let's find out. Alrighty then. Hi, Nick. <laughs> Nick's Nailed gonna, it. Nick's going to intro. We're all very excited. Yeah. This is my inaugural intro. For version control, episode 23. So we're just going to go around and introduce everyone. We have Mark Cameron, senior director designer. (laughs) (laughs) Almost. I actually don't even know what your title is. Senior designer? Senior designer, yeah. Mark Cameron, senior designer. Vice president of buttons in in, uh, (laughs) Toronto office. I think you were global button officer. I think uh, you were out there button machine. Yeah. Man of many talents. And then we have Scott Liu, artistic director. I don't know anyone's titles again. So this is like, <laughs> I was going to call cool. that out. At least I know everyone's names. <laughs> that's yeah. Why don't you say what you do, Scott? Uh, I type. So, but Jackson made me take the title associate creative director. And then of course, co-founder, creative director. What is actually your title as well? I think that's partner, creative director. Partner. partner. That was it. That was the one I was missing. Yeah. Jackson Murphy. Thanks, Nick. And then myself. Nick, you in? <laughs> uh, version control moderator, Exec- executive producer, executive producer, the EP. Yes. <laughs> and what are we talking about today, Scott? Today we are talking all about personalization in design and how we as individuals are either outgrowing certain programs or websites or web services and growing into different ones, and how that's kind of evolved over our time in this sort of digital world. Um, So like, just to give you guys an example, we were talking about it before we hit record, but at some point we kind of all had Hotmail addresses. And like, (laughs) did we just outgrow Hotmail or did did Hotmail just not upgrade with us or is Gmail or... Who are you speaking for when you say we? (laughs) Oh, sorry, Nick still has... (laughs) Nick is still coolguy76 at (laughs) Hotmail.com. I don't know where, but somewhere like in the past like seven days, unless I dreamt it, people were talking about that there's like a resurgence hipness of Hotmail, particularly in Europe. 
I don't know if that's true. I don't know if I dreamt it. Is Maybe. it like recovered old Hotmail accounts, do you think? Or is it new Hotmail accounts? It'd be amazing if they were like 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 antique Hotmail accounts yeah. that they'd, they'd been unearthed from the archives. That would be very cool. I think I might do this. Yeah. This like, might be my new thing. Like Mark 365 from like 1991. Actually, Some other Mark. It was actually Muhaha underscore 21 at Hotmail.com. Right. I'm, I'm bird <laughs> underscore eight. Still have it. Nice. Yeah. Bird? Yeah. Why, why bird? The eighth? Uh, it was my like... Larry, high school nickname Larry Bird hockey nickname for some reason I'm not really sure why hmm. but of course I had to have an underscore and a number like everyone yeah but um, also it's funny that an email account can imbue some sort of status you know I remember when everyone was like well if, if you're sending out resumes it has to be Gmail I was like what is the difference but is that and is that what you think kind of forced you to move over to Gmail or create a Gmail account or? 100% just, yeah, just sort of like the status or the professionalism. Uh, I was told that nobody would even look at a Hotmail address if they if an, a resume and cover letter came down the pipeline through that. So uh, that was the original move. And then, of course, it's just a better service, so you stick with it. Yeah. Have you lo- When was the last time you logged into Hotmail or Yahoo Mail? or? I still see it. It's like I see it through my phone. Uh, it's always just nonsense spam, so I don't even know why I have it. <laughs> but, like, but but when you but when you get it on your phone, it's like it reskins it as part of like your mail yeah, app, right? Yeah. I'm wondering like would, if somebody was to like log into Hotmail right now, is the interface the exact same as it was I'm, before? I they, might try this. No, yeah. I've done it fairly recently because I had something that I had to actually log in through it. Okay. Um, have they grown up a bit? Oh, it was confusing. It was just like <laughs> a bad user experience. Yeah. Um, for some reason, my my inbox has been sort of like um, curated in a weird way, so I couldn't find the new mail okay. that I could see on my phone. I, I'm, it, like it sorts it for it you? It sorts it, yeah. 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 In a way Gmail that I, does that now, too. Well, it sorted it in a way that I didn't really ask Want. for. Yeah. What do you mean Gmail does that? Gmail doesn't do that. Yeah, it'll go like promotions. Um, it basically oh. like filters spam. It filters spam. In different ways, yeah. yeah. What about MySpace? Have you guys logged into your MySpace <laughs> in a long time? Did you guys I, have MySpace? I had MySpace. I, I wouldn't be able to log in though. I don't remember the password. I do remember my MySpace name was Mentos Toblerone. <laughs> that's a bad that's combination. Pretty good for a chief snack officer yeah. having the Mentos. It was on brand. Yeah, on, on brand. Yeah. Did, you, did you eat these things together when you no. peruse through MySpace? Uh, the, the only reason is because I was when I was younger, I was like watching uh, like a talk show, and Jim Carrey was the guest, and they asked him what fake name he used when he checked into hotels, and it was Mentos Toblerone. <laughs> so my big idea was to get that as the MySpace, and hopefully Jim Carrey would contact me and be like, "I want your MySpace." <laughs> Never happened. Hey man, you. Check your hotmail. Like that email sitting there. That is amazing. Like just like I'm gonna I'm gonna sucker Jim Carrey for my MySpace <laughs> name. That's his. Amazing. Yeah. MySpace was like such a big thing for a very short window of time. Yeah. It was, it was weird how how quickly it disappeared. Was it Facebook that yes. kind of like blew it out of the water? Yeah. Hundred percent. Because I think I was off of MySpace before, even before. Like I think I just kind of got tired of it. But I think that's kind of like what what it is too like I think at that time in my life I was probably like early 20s and like I was using MySpace to really kind of let people know what was on my Winamp at the time Um, (laughs) and then you know you stop using Winamp and then you stop caring and then that's why it's probably still alive somewhere but the only thing I miss about it is having that like embedded song playlist that you could have on yeah. your on your profile that was really cool and I wish Facebook had that and like you could skin it to be like Winamp yeah, yeah. <laughs> I used stuff. to do I used to like code my friends uh, MySpaces and do like custom layouts for them it's kind of how I got into designing so I think everybody's like some of everybody's first websites are stuff like that yeah. I remember you know growing up as a west coast Asian person I had an Asian Avenue page, and basically what it was, it was like pre-Friendster, um, pre-MySpace, uh, and it was just like a, I think it was like the one of the very first times that I was able to like upload a photo, which is really cool. And it was never like a photo of myself, it was like a photo of like something stupid. It was before the term social network was even a thing. It was, it was so weird. Like I remember um, people used to put their Asian Avenue addresses on their, uh, on their, yearbook graduation photo to be wow. like you know look me up when you graduate or whatever it was really really weird <laughs> but the, I, I do remember the interface on Asian Avenue was terrible and like the way like the user experience on that was awful but because I was kind of at that age and it was during that time when 
you know, there was nobody teaching you how to do stuff. What it did really push forward is like this. The whole thing is D- DIY. Could um, non-Asians be included? Yeah, totally. It was just called Asian Avenue, I think, is because like it was. It was like made by an Asian person, I guess. And he lived on an avenue. Yeah, <laughs> smart. Yeah, and then I think, and and don't quote me on this, but I I do believe that it did change names to 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 Avenue Six Hundred Four, which is like the area code in Vancouver. Mm. Um, I I might be wrong on that. That might be a completely new system. But again, like this is all like through the the timeline and graduation of like weird internet stuff that you do when you're younger, and then it still exists, but for some reason I just stopped using it, and I think. Like, so do you think it's like do you think the switches is primarily about the design like it just seems cool at the time because like there's nothing like it and then as soon totally. as something else shinier or better comes up and it's slightly less terribly designed then you just everyone moves over and then the next one comes out and then everyone moves over is that real is it is that all the the real movement is or or do they just cease to does something intrinsically break down about them uh i i think it's the former i really do think it's it's sort of trendy to be on top of the latest regardless of how cool it is um but now like we kind of did hit a point where we've got these staples and, and i'm speaking just in terms of like social networks now but like you've got your staples of facebook twitter instagram and snap is getting there now too pinterest you hate pinterest i don't hate <laughs> pinterest but yeah. i would put pinterest in like again like you and i are the second, only two level second tier the only two tier. people left in the world using tumblr too right tumblr. there's there's more than just <laughs> you and i i hope so yeah um but I think, like, in terms of... Or there's of, like, a lot of bots. Yeah. <laughs> there's the, there's a lot of content on Tumblr every day. The content on Tumblr is amazing. Yeah. But, so, again, the user experience on Tumblr, compared to how easy it is to share things on most of the other social networks, I find is a little bit tedious now. It, what? What? <laughs> it's the easiest one, isn't it? What, what's so hard? Just sort of the uploading process, and like again, if you were to share something original, I, I think it's it's easy, like Tumblr's still really great and quick and easy to like share something you've seen on Tumblr. Yeah. Um, but if I were to actually like take a photo and like tag upload it and it, upload yeah. it, like it's a lot easier for me to do that on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook now or Snap. This is, the- is it easier, or do you just have more? friends on Instagram that you want to show so you put effort into that that's a good point um, I would still say it's easier because for Tumblr there it is I, I find the process a little bit more okay. a little bit longer I mean I haven't uploaded a photo to Tumblr in it, probably it honestly five I, years. I, honestly is like the same <laughs> like if you use the app you can use it like Instagram. There's a Tumblr? Like, app? I'm pretty sure, like, it has filters and everything. <laughs> wow. And you can just, like, upload it directly, and it'll take a photo, just like those things. Full disclosure, though, I haven't actually shared anything on Tumblr in a number of years. Yeah. You don't have um, Mentos tum- tum- Toblerone on Tumblr? Tumblr? Mentos, Tumblr. No. <laughs> no. That seems like a good one. It might be taken by Jim Carrey. <laughs> Jim Carrey yeah. <laughs> He he skipped MySpace, but like <laughs> took it up on Asian Avenue exactly. and Tumblr yeah. later. Yeah, but like in terms of like what what about things like chat programs, right? Like I think we all started on one before. Like I, I learned to type on ICQ, um, and then I don't know where that went. I think it went like my Messenger. yeah my progression went from ICQ to Messenger. Mm-hmm. Um, are you usually driven by it, like what you're allowed? I mean, it seems like almost anyone's allowed to do anything at most like companies these days. But mm-hmm. like back in the day, I think like you couldn't do X, so like you'd like, oh, but I can do Messenger. Right. You couldn't do whatever, but you could do this one. Yeah. Um, driven sure. by like restrictions based on what what uh, you were allowed to do. Like I thought at like some company I worked at, they like blocked Facebook. Like you couldn't like look at it sometime i think you know it's interesting just when we were talking about this you know icq to messenger or or whatever it's just like when the next platform comes along and it just destroys everything like blows everything else out of the water and it's the new thing that everything like ubiquitous service that everyone uses it's you know despite what you you guys may think about facebook uh it's sort of a testament to the strength of facebook that's Mm -hmm. lasted for so long and become such a juggernaut i'm not really even sure how I guess the user experience just is just so easy. But I also think that Facebook knows their user, which is and and they're evolving with their user, right? So the Facebook started as just a way for people to share 
content amongst their friends and then they realized that people want to make friends on Facebook as well so mm-hmm. then they kind of opened that avenue up and um, you know I think one of the biggest evolutions that Facebook did was their messenger system where as like a lot of chat programs is just sort of words back and forth what Facebook I, f- I found was like one of the first to really embrace things like stickers like emojis mm-hmm. like embedding mm-hmm. um, services within their messenger system and I think that comes from knowing who, who their market is, who's on Facebook, and what they like doing, and just kind of melding those two experiences together. Totally. Which but helps with the evolution. They also just have such like a monopoly on like the entire internet. Like You can't do much without a Facebook account online. They were smart enough to integrate into so many other areas. Yeah. Smart enough to buy Instagram, for yeah. instance. That one would, could have killed them. Exactly. But yeah, why? And now they're like forward deploying Instagram to like <laughs> battle other networks. Like it's pretty interesting. To Stealing see. from everyone. Yeah. But Mark Zuckerman guy, he's pretty smart. <laughs> Zuckerman. Zuckerman. <laughs> Zuckerman. Yeah. For a for a hoodie hoodie wearing flip flop wearing weirdo. Yeah. He's done. He's done okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's done. It, I, I I think it's just interesting. Like I was trying to think of another analogy because it, it feels like, you know, like when a TV show um, like is on and it's super popular, and then like a cast member leaves and then they put bring in a new character and then they do one more like half-hearted season, and the ratings completely decline and then it's just like they peace out like the, the TV show just like dies mm-hmm. just like Aunt Viv yeah the Aunt Viv scenario <laughs> right there. Yeah. yeah but like very few shows can survive like a moment where like you replace a major cast member like is that more the analogy like a social network where if a huge component of people just like get bored with it it just like disintegrates onto itself and as everyone moves to the next one. Yeah, I think that's I think that's totally true. Um, but I think the, one of the reasons why is because whoever is innovating the next thing is looking really hard at who is setting these trends and they're creating interfaces and apps and services directly related to these people. Like if you look at something like Snap, right? Like Snap I mean, they're they're hugely successful for a number of reasons, but one of them is just because it's it's free form. There's no editing, and that's what people were looking for at the time. Like they they didn't want a curated experience like Instagram, so they wanted something a little bit more raw, and it's it's geared specifically towards those people. And now they've kind of opened up that that avenue to be be like, okay, well, here's news, here's content, here's all this other stuff that you want in the form of Snap because we know that you like it. Mm -hmm. Which I thought was really smart because it it, it goes to show that, like, they're not just being like, let's make something cool. It's, they're really like, let's make something for cool people. Yeah. Which is, I think, is a bit of a difference. Yeah. I, 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 the the only thing on the Snap side, I think, because Instagram's so close to it now, that I think there are, like, people, like, dropping off of snap and just focusing their efforts on instagram where there's kind of two ways they can do you mean you mean people or people who are like driving towards something uh like creating a brand uh i i think like influencers like like they like the duality of of instagram like in one place you can have the snap experience of a storytelling live video type stuff but you can also have a nice curated feed Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. stays there so like if you're the I don't know, style blogger uh, person that you don't need to do that plus Snapchat. Yeah. So like in some people that I was following on both, like their their amount of content on Snap seems to be going down and their amount on Instagram stories seems to be going up. That's smart from Instagram too, right? Yeah. And they're looking directly at their audience. And, and to me, I mean, I, I think Instagram is geared specifically towards influencers. Yeah. Like they're 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 looking at like schmoes like me and say, hey, that's great that you use it, but we're we're really making this thing for the people with hundreds of thousands of followers and making features cater directly to them. They need the schmoes like you though, Scott, to follow the Thank people you, with a hundred thousand uh, <laughs> uh, followers. Like you, you're you're like the cog that like makes the the ecosystem work. I feel so much better. Now. You can't just like can you imagine how bad a. Uh, like social channel would be if it was just like imagine if it was just the Instagram like models like that was the only people allowed on the platform like what would happen it's amazing it sounds even better <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to hear what it's anyone like, says yeah. I want just a quick but they would, would, they, would they just be liking each other's stuff like it just seems weird 
like if we weren't allowed on there oh if we weren't allowed on there yeah just like it was just it was, just for them we weren't allowed to post on there or we weren't allowed to look at them both, both. yeah it was oh, just for what them. a nightmare then no yeah. <laughs> that sounds, that sounds, like, a bad time. That sounds yeah. like that new tinder edition that they just created right um, Tinder select. Tinder select, where it's, it's like it's literally made for good-looking and rich people. Like, really? Yeah. yeah. Do they pay and more? Invite do only. They, do, oh, invite only. Oh, yeah, invite. Sorry. And where is my invite? You have to be. Like, <laughs> you have to be like a celebrity or um, or a celebrity sibling or something. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but well, yeah I suppose was, that that makes sense. I mean, they're an elite class of people that don't I suppose, want to be messaged by. <laughs> lower denizens <laughs> I don't know that well, actually sounds horrible it sounds like a terrible thing but I, I but like I mean I guess in terms of like tinder really looked when they when they made the decision to create that barrier or that addition onto their application like they really looked at who was using it and what problems they were having and, and I guess that was their solution I'm just surprised they needed an outlet for the 1% yeah, yeah poor, Hillary, poor Hillary Duff and all your why was it even made public it should have just been like an Illuminati thing I don't think it was it was like announced because yeah. apparently it's been around for a year yeah I think it got leaked yeah oh so whoever so the rumors was. were true yeah <laughs> <laughs> so wow. Nick it's your fault you told somebody <laughs> but what's the what's the revenue model for that no like, idea like, See, that's what that, that's the thing that like I I have faith in in Zucker. Well, but like if there if it's invite only, then you still have to pay for it. You have to pay. I'd imagine you do. Tinder Plus, you have to. What is it? Tinder Plus. Tinder, Tinder select. select. Yeah, but it's there like an Uber is, Select. There already is a paid Tinder. Yeah, there's a paid Tinder, but it's it's different. I think Tinder Select. I don't know if it's paid or not because. Well, I would hope so. It's for rich people. <laughs> <laughs> if there's anybody, but that like, can it, but it. that seems no. to be the that seems to be the thing that like uh, I don't know. There's like a something that just is is not. Uh, it won't work long term in terms of like this ecosystem of of social celebrity and like partial celebrities is like they don't pay they get a bunch of free stuff and then scott has to like their stuff on instagram of course <laughs> um like how is that sustainable as like a business model like that just seems like there's something that's why we're going to migrate to a platform because instagram eventually will like become like inundated with people trying to sell you like protein powder mm -hmm. and like stuff that you don't want in every aspect whether they've paid through the platform or not mm -hmm. and then people would be like this is the worst we need a cleaner instagram that doesn't have all these jerks trying to sell us stuff um and we can move on from there i sound like a like bernie sanders here like <laughs> but that's an interesting rallying point. against <laughs> the people trying to make a buck but just that i mean that seems to be like what what works is there's just like you know guys who love cabins on instagram and that's what they do and they're not trying to sell you on anything until like year three where they make a book of like amazing cabins from around the world mm -hmm. and you're like i'm in for that that seems like a smart like you're not in my face every day about it you gave me value then i'll buy your book yeah but you know i don't know about the protein powder <laughs> muscle head that like you do really want to it's it's interesting you, them. you bring that up though because like is that is that one of the reasons why we switch services is that i mean not specifically the fact that it gets inundated with ads but the model becomes monetized or um, some somebody starts to take advantage of it, or, or for lack of a better term, like hacks it, so it's less about what the experience was originally and becomes something completely different. Yeah, um, I mean, I think you see that like with Snapchat now. Like yeah. now, you're you're seeing those post snap ads and stuff that are like completely random to what you were just watching. Right, like you're, you're watching something and then all of a sudden it's like tied and you're like that's weird I just not did interesting my laundry, yeah yeah <laughs> it's just not integrate but i i do think that like there is a, a the point of like marketing ruining of a social network that then people want to go to a new one totally and then everyone like yeah this is the best and then the platform goes we need to monetize this <laughs> yeah. and then marketers are like we can exploit this and then the cycle and then it repeats itself repeats but i think yeah. in, in but like when it hits that point, like when, um, when a, 
a platform becomes inundated and stuff like that, then then people are able to make choices, which I think is kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. So it's like, well, what is next? And then it depends on how, what you enjoyed out of that first experience or what you're trying to carry through, which yeah. in my mind ultimately helps you make that decision. So like an example for me was, um, I don't know if you've listened to past episodes, but I was very upset when Show Me closed down. Um, and show me that pour, streaming we, service. We, we poured one out for show me. Exactly. <laughs> Whatever episode that was. Oh God. And there's Crave and there's HBO. Um, Amazon prime is doing it now. Hulu. Uh, Hulu's out there. YouTube red. Yeah. YouTube red. I mean, there's so many, so many options. Um, but like, like what do you guys, like, based on how you consume content or what you're, what you're looking for, like how do you choose between services? And do you feel like that experience, um, using those programs as catered for you, or do you feel like you have to bend a little bit to to make it work for your for your lifestyle? Uh, well, I personally am I'm very uh, discerning in what I want. You know, I know exactly what I like. Discerning, Nick. I am very discerning. So it's a it's not about the platform. It's one hundred percent about the content. I oh, mean, yeah, I don't really 100%. care about anything else. I don't care about their user interface or. Um, but that's interesting sort of that you bring or anything like that. It's just like. It's interesting you bring up content though, right? Because that's how that's how they're kind of catering to specific audiences. I'm I'm sure you've opened up Netflix once or twice and it said you may like. Yeah. Stuff like that. Or when you're finished watching something, it's like now that you've finished watching, you know, Riverdale, would you like to watch yeah. this show? But as for Netflix, I may not like about ninety percent of what's on there as well. So Fair enough. I actually find myself Maybe I shouldn't say this out loud, but mm, pirating a little more than I should sometimes because, sorry, Netflix Canada just isn't getting there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. so if it wasn't net, like, I mean, removing that option, if it uh, like if it wasn't Netflix Canada, would it, would it be a hundred percent the content that would encourage you to try a different service? Absolutely. Right. That's just me personally. I think yeah, the, the the streaming services are interesting because they are doing. I will hot take counter net because we just talked about social networks and how important the design was and why we moved over. I do think the like user experience of a Netflix is solid that like makes you want to stay in it because it's reliable. It works. Well, it's, it traps you in it actually more than makes you want to stay. It's just like next it, episode is starting. Call, maybe <laughs> maybe I'm a willing um, uh, I, maybe I'm a willing participant in being like uh, trapped within the net. Netflix bubble and their like download thing is a game changer. Yes. Like that mm. is crazy that you can download stuff and watch it. But uh, again, no like Wi-Fi. that was a that was a choice they made based on what net, like a lot of Netflix users wanted, right? Mm-hmm. Is they wanted to be able to use their service without being connected to the internet. They wanted to be able to watch it on a plane basically. 100% yeah. best yeah. place to binge yeah. uh, content is a plane. Yeah. Kids kids in the backseat of the car too is a big one. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's that's my only complaint, and this this will expose me for like a lot of things. But I like I just want to be able to turn off kids stuff from Netflix. Like I don't want to see. It. I thought there was a separate. There's a separate board. thing, but it like but it shows. Still feeds it into shows you. up. Yeah, I just want to like don't show me. Any, uh, that's what it needs. Is like the same, the same way that my and I rally upon this like all over the place. But like the same reason I don't want my Uber driver calling me or not taking the route that Uber has spent billions of dollars, millions of dollars outlining. Like, don't call me. Just go to the pin. Yeah, I'll be there. The route that the the computer picks, take it. Don't (laughs) ask me which route I want to go or just freestyle it. Doesn't make any sense. Same r- Jackson wants to eliminate the human yeah. from the experience. Yeah, so like I want like Netflix to, to like when you start up to like have more stuff to, to tell them like I don't want this, I don't want that. I don't yeah. want them to have to machine learn it. I want them to say like there's absolutely no way I'm watching X. Yeah. And is is why I get irate with my better half when she like mistakenly logs in as me, watches a bunch of weird stuff, yeah. then all my recommendations <laughs> yeah. are changed. Yeah. Well, when when Netflix <laughs> buys something, I'm sure that they're leaving open the possibility that you could watch it. You know, I mean, I was thinking that too. Like, why don't they let me filter it and say only things with a ninety percent, uh, yeah, you know, critical rating? But they're never going to do that because all that content below that will just be in the dark corners of Netflix. Because there is a possibility that one day I might be feeling sick or something and just lazy and be like, okay, fine, I'll watch, you know, whatever. Captain Underpants the movie. Exactly. Is that a real thing? 
it, it's it going be. to be <laughs> and it will never happen i will never watch that but you know the possibility <laughs> from netflix perspective is there i guess yeah anyways i think i agree with jackson on it being a user experience thing too because like i have amazon prime but i only l- watch that on my laptop netflix loads onto my tv so i'm watching netflix way more often because that experience is way easier for me mm-hmm. um and the content to me is like it's good enough so i'm i just keep watching it yeah like i i've never been like mm, nothing to watch on netflix i've never reached the like bottom pit of like oh and I don't do the change my IP to watch the American. If I ha- if I had more content, I, I I don't think I could show up for work. <laughs> the like, IP thing that, doesn't work anymore, by the way. I don't know, that's why that I wake anymore? up in the morning and watch things before I come to work. I find I get in real trouble when I like go to the U.S. and then there's more stuff to watch. Like I'll just be like, yeah, we could go out, or we could just <laughs> sit in a hotel room and watch Netflix. It's bad, bad. Yeah. But I do. I'm I'm in agreement with you, Mark. Like I uh, I run Netflix primarily off my Apple TV, mm-hmm. um, and the user experience that Apple TV has with Netflix is awful. Whereas okay. if I open it up on my computer or on a different service, the Netflix interface is a lot more user friendly for me. Um, it's a lot easier to find things. The search functionality is a lot easier to use. Um, so I'm actually finding isn't that pretty much everything on the Apple TV not great. Exactly, because, like except for iTunes or like their What's the, or their movie selector, I, right? I, I really want to find they're the same. It's it's easier They're to equally, find stuff I find on that. Maybe, one. but like if you the minute you get into search with anything where all you have is like three buttons. Yeah. I'm so, well, so out. This, this is like, why this is why I never like I had an Apple TV for like a month and I sold it and <coughs> hated it and got a Chromecast and I've never turned back. And it's the it's the greatest thing that's ever happened to me is a Chromecast because all the controls are on your phone or your laptop. Yeah. So whatever you're doing anyways, like if you're going to watch yeah. Netflix on your computer, on your laptop, you may as well just hit one button and have it go to your your TV. Yeah, I'm and almost it's, there. It's and it's so cheap. It's like forty bucks. I was just gonna say a great price point too. Yeah, yeah, they're amazing. And the one thing that you do, and this this podcast brought to you by Chromecast. Um, <laughs> but the one thing that you do save is when you when you try to launch or when you do launch these programs on Apple TV, they count that as a device. Um, and now all of these streaming services are limiting the devices you can use on it, right? So if you have it on your phone and you're Chromecasting it, that don't they don't count the, the Chromecast as a device, right? They mm-hmm. only count your phone, right? So those of us who, I mean, I'm not saying I do, but those of us who do share some of their accounts only with my parents, mm-hmm. um, that kind of That's brings adorable. down the number. <laughs> my parents have been watching Dexter. It's really freaking me out. That's weird. Because I can see what they watch. When you go home next time and they have like a kill room set up, they will <laughs> just be worried. Well, they watch Dexter and they watch a whole bunch of Korean dramas and I'm not even, we're not even Korean. <laughs> hey man, there's been some good stuff coming I, out of Korea. That's what my mom keeps yeah, telling Yeah, great me. crime thrillers. <laughs> yeah. And with that, Thank you, Korea. (laughs) (laughs) Digital Picks! Twitter is considering adding a paid membership option for businesses and power users. What? Come on. What's a power user? (laughs) Isn't this just what we talked about in the last segment about, like, what is it? Tinder Select? Is this like Twitter Select? This is like Twitter Select, exactly. Well, it looks like Twitter is doing this out of the lack of advertisers actually wanting to pay for Twitter ads. So unlike Facebook, um, the ad model in Twitter just isn't as robust. They're not getting as much as much fun out of it, I guess. So this is what it says. Uh, the microblogging service, which has struggled to grow its user base in recent years, is carrying out surveys to assess interest in the idea, which is, I think that I can, I don't even really need that many surveys, I would say, but that's, maybe it's just me. Survey of Nick, not interested. <laughs> is this Hard the beginning no. of the end of Twitter? This particular announcement? Well, I mean, was the death of Vine the beginning of the end of Twitter? I don't know. But see, I still don't get it because, like, I still see lively engagement on Twitter, but it just, like, it cannot work for well, promotion. Wait about, wait till you guys hear what you'll be able to get if you want to go ahead and get the paid version of Twitter. You ready? Hold, hold on to your hats. I'm on the edge of my seat. You will get an enhanced version of TweetDeck and a souped up interface. Did they actually say souped up? 
Is this an official Twitter release? Uh, this is on the BBC.com. Okay, good. Oh, credible news source. <laughs> yep. It is a credible news yeah. source. Yeah, this is not fake news. No. Uh, souped up interface that offers even more functionality than Twitter.com. So there you go. So uh, you get more functionality. For. Can See? I ask a dumb person question? What is a tweet deck? That's like a, it was a service that like would let you publish your tweets, but then I think Twitter bought it. It's like a platform. Oh, is it like a like a Hootsuite kind thing? of? Yeah, but not Hootsuite. Not Hootsuite. So is it? Yeah, but it's, it's not like just analytics, like, I think. Yeah, or is it yeah. just okay? So it's yeah. like the interface of the back end of Twitter Correct. for advertisers. So or, you know, or just like for regular people. So presumably, you can already get it for free. Yeah. But if you'd uh, prefer an enhanced version of this thing that you don't use, a souped-up version. <laughs> yeah. I say. love that they're calling it souped up. I hope they put I a mean, spoiler I, on it. How much? How much are they gonna t- charge for this? Does it say? Uh, We're all in, obviously. Uh, does not say. Mark's, the Mark's, the, Mark, Mark, Mark. What's your thing on Twitter? Are you on Twitter? You're not on the Instagram. Are you on Twitter? My Twitter uh, relationship with I'll, I'll like post for a month straight and then stop for stop. an entire year. Yeah, yeah, it's so pretty good. All your followers think you died. Yeah, I think I've retired like three times and like changed my bio to be like an end date and then I come back to it. <laughs> Seems like if you like the like paying for it, it, it's more exclusive. Maybe people will want it more. Totally, it'll yeah. incentivize you to use it. You're like, well, I'm paid for it, and I better yeah. jump on there. I feel like they could just do like simple things like if you pay and it's like the like fancier credit card like it's like Twitter platinum and like instead of blue everything and you black. get you get like 10 actual celebrity followers like uh, of your choosing when you pay well to be honest and they they actually have to follow you like how amazing would that be like yeah. which 10 celebrities would you pay Twitter to like force them to follow you and hear from you <laughs> on a daily basis? Just name that, one. Name I'd, one. I'd pick Trump for sure because that would be fun. So that he to would listen him. to you. Yeah, yeah. You just troll. Time. Time. <laughs> yeah, sad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we could just throw around. We could just do a whole podcast on like how to how to make Twitter better. Oh wow! Yeah. Twitter bucks. I don't know what they are, but they sound like I want them. <laughs> Twitter bucks. I want to be wealthy with them. Yeah. Yeah. But is followers still currency on Twitter? Or is I don't th- it retweets? I don't, I don't think so. I think it's like uh, having a million followers is useless if none of them are actually yeah. seeing your stuff. If you have like a hundred really great people who are like pinging you back and forth and engaging with you, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. So you still see a lot of that, like the back and forth. But they, that's a great communication model. But in, like, if I'm Twitter, like, yeah. I I'm not getting anything out of it. Which I understand why yeah. they're trying to make people pay for this. I just I don't know why anybody would. It's because they haven't introduced tweet bucks yet. Right. Okay. So, but you just gave them that for free. So tweet bucks, totally <laughs> free. I'm working on what it is, but uh. <laughs> well, we're gonna have a whole show on it, and yeah. at the end of it, we'll be able to make an incredible product that yeah. will yeah. blow Twitter right out of the water. It's like bitcoins. They're not real. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like bitcoins. Nobody even understands what they are. Exactly. Someone someone asked if they could pay us in bitcoins the other day. And you should have said no, but we take tweet bucks. <laughs> I should have said that. I wasn't quick enough. I hadn't come up with tweet bucks yet, but I was more like, yeah, we don't accept bitcoins because how would we even do that? Like, that what a, do we that, do with them? That was a legitimate question. Somebody yeah. Asked wow. Yeah. Uh, who's got next? Uh, I'll go next. I don't know how many of you guys have wasted all of the money of your youth on DVDs like I did, um, but there is a service now. Just for the record, I think. Uh, aren't you still buying DVDs? Yeah. Yes. Let's, just, still, clear, let's just clear this up here for the audience. So You're still buying them. There is a service, a mobile app that's just been released called Vudu, V-U-D-U. And basically what it does is it digitizes all of your uh, all of your DVDs uh, with just a photo. And somehow they've come up with a way where all you have to do is take a photo of the barcode on the back of a, of a box or like a DVD box. And it'll basically give you access to that film in standard def or HD if it's a blu-ray um, and you can kind of take it w- with you wherever you go so there's a couple of things that i wanted to talk about with this one i'm never going to do this because that will just completely like make me seem like a fool for spending all this money on physical discs <laughs> two it actually does cost at least two dollars per transfer so the example that they use on this article on Mashable is like, if you have something ridiculous, like a hundred DVDs, and I laughed at that because like I'm well over <laughs> that. And you know, that's a lot of money for me to convert all of my DVDs to digital. 
to digital files. Um, and then still, there there is an issue where they're trying to figure out, well, how come I can't just take this app and go to the store and scan it at the store and then have a digital copy? So apparently there's some sort of security around you can only like once you register your home or your IP address and you can only access them there. Um, but I don't know. So again, and the reason I bring this up as my digital pick is because in an effort to digitize uh, content, they've actually made me want to continue to buy discs because I don't believe in this but service. Where do you buy DVDs now? Like, where's that problem even going to happen? Like Walmart, Best Buy? Uh, Blockbuster, yeah. Walmart, yeah. Uh, Best Buy has them. HMV, their last remaining HMV, will have them. Apparently, there's huge DVD sales at um, oh, what's it called? It's an American chain called Red Brick or something like that. Uh, but Redbox, Redbox. There's yeah. still a huge DVD vendor for some reason. Yeah, the, you can you can get you can like rent DVDs at a Seven Eleven out of a Redbox and stuff like that. I think. Okay. Yeah. So. I, <laughs> just like to go back a bit here like why do you still want DVDs I like so I buy them because yes the movies are great um, I, a couple of reasons so yeah I like the movies but I also like really like special features like special features are pretty cool feature ads yeah. yeah audio commentary I find is like really underrated like if you're if you can't sleep one night you just like pop out like watch super bad with audio commentary is pretty good you, sh- you should have just said deep nerdery and i would have been like okay. yeah. <laughs> the other thing is and, and gotcha. i'll fully admit i spent a lot of my youth um pirating content and this is my penance so i've decided to give back a self-flagellator <laughs> is that what that means <laughs> no you don't i mean no i think it's very admirable that you're giving back we you know how like smart people have books yes. all over their house I have. So I've been told. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I I have DVDs, and then like again, like it's not just like I have a collection. Like I I'm like a film nerd, so like I I there was a point when I would like scour the earth and try to find a particular type of version and, and stuff like that. I don't do that anymore. I think it's cool. like Kane from Kung Fu. Exactly. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, I like it. So that and that so that's why like I would never use this service Voodoo, and especially since they're trying to charge people for it. Well, does it like how does it? I, I'm fascinated. Like how does it and how does it know where does the content come from? Do the studios get some of this? Like I'm sure that's what the two dollars or or like the yeah. the fee is for is to pay. The, but again, like if I've purchased this video this DVD, why would I pay the studio even more to get a digital copy? I don't know. It's, <laughs> it's, I'm, I, I'm it's it's all. It's all an interesting new world, isn't it? Yeah. This I don't think this is gonna work for them. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm very skeptical. <laughs> Hot take from Mark. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. not gonna work. <laughs> I like it. So that was my digital pick. Very good. I'll go next. Have you guys heard of Coffee Meets Bagel? I um, like both of those things. Tell us more. Yeah, I have can't you, wait to hear about this. Have you heard of ghosting? That I definitely have heard of. Okay. <laughs> the from like the online dating yeah. version of it. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's something. It doesn't have to do with dating. You can just like yeah. You can go. You can go to anybody. But it, yeah. it came from dating. I feel like Domino's has ghosted me. I think yeah, the like. term. I think, yeah, I think the term came from like Tinder and and whatnot. But I thought well, the better terms for those like in a social setting without dating is like I think they call them like French exits. Like you yeah, just, like, the old French exit. It sounds sexy. It also sounds like something the French would do. They just like they're yeah. wearing a scarf and they have yeah. a beret on and, and then they're like, gone this party is shit <laughs> 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 but they wouldn't say that because no. they're ghosting yeah and also they say married but <laughs> so what is what is coffee meets bagel so okay so coffee meets bagel is basically just another online dating app oh my god um it's similar to bumble i think the woman uh talks first and the guys sit on their hands and wait um, so yeah, so they're trying to like eliminate ghosting by like giving a bunch of information on each match up front um, so the info is like uh, how often they spend ch- chatting versus swiping, um, how often they send the first message, uh, how often they're active, and um, their average response rate. So that information is given up front to you. So you can t- you know a ghoster is a ghoster because of their, uh, their so they, stats. They, they like publicly shame yeah. people with their, de- their stats. Yeah, it's exactly. like their baseball card stat yeah. of like how terrible of a dater they are. Yeah, so if That's you want, amazing. So if you want good stats, you have to respond all the time. Nick so is you not wouldn't, impressed. So you wouldn't already. ghost them. No. <laughs> unimpressed. I'll yeah, tell it's, you why. It's, it, is, it is ridiculous. He's trying to eliminate a central facet to the online dating community. Uh-huh. You should be allowed to ghost uh-huh. because that is your, it's your prerogative. 
that's like one of the biggest appeals to totally. online dating is to just drop your phone and not have to deal with yeah anything. you have a million options of people that you can be talking to and if you're not feeling it anyways anymore just like see yeah ya. yeah but like let's flip it around then let's say that somebody was matched up with you and you're like whoa wow we have a lot of things in common but they have their ghost score is like 2100 would that deter you from contacting you them? can change them no i'm pretty sure it would do the opposite <laughs> i also right. think that it should deter you from even being on an online dating at all in that case because this is this is a risk it's a calculated risk you take you know that just might happen so fair so my pick is something i'm gonna share it like how it should be it's it's also a real news story from the new york times but i'd like to call this the curious case of the toilet paper robot okay are you with me yep so here's the thing reading this article there's a problem in beijing and china of people stealing toilet paper from like public bathrooms obviously yeah a huge problem um so obviously people came up with a a a, a, a way to fight this and it's before you were even allowed in the bathroom you have to register with facial recognition thing and it spits out two feet of toilet paper for you and that's it and then you can proceed to the bathroom toilet paper rations <laughs> Yes. That sounds like a nightmare. <laughs> I'm, I'm just trying to do like like the user flow in my head. Right? <laughs> yes. So like I arrive at said bathroom, I like scans my body to make sure that I am me. So here, here's the flow. Before entering restrooms in this public place, visitors must now stare into a computer mounted on the wall for three seconds before a machine dispenses a sheet of toilet paper precisely two feet in length. If visitors require more, they are out of luck. Oh, the Jesus. machine will not dispense a second roll to the same person for nine minutes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I uh, somebody's got to be making a TV show out of this or something. <laughs> yes, that's exactly. I, I feel like this could be like a short Snapchat version of making a murderer, but about the fun loving people who steal toilet paper and the like technologists who have created something to thwart them in their trickery. Uh, like, and the innocent. I'm on the edge of my seat. And the innocent people who just become victims who actually need to use the washer. Yeah. <laughs> The third, the third rail is these poor people who just just need to go to the bathroom. I'm I'd like to know of you know some of the logistics behind this as well. Like why two feet? Why nine minutes? Yeah. Why How did three, they come up why with that? Why a three minute stare or three second stare? Because like I'll be honest, sometimes that's too long. The stare? Well, like if you need to use the washroom, <laughs> you're done. Those three it seconds. Should, it should go economized. based off of like how eager your face is. They give yeah. you more. <laughs> and they Sweating. Speed up the process. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But like that's the the, the the tech. It's a glimpse into a technological future of like rationing of toilet paper. Of robots telling us how much we can have. I think it's also really interesting that whoever in China decided to go through this elaborate process to create this thing, instead of just saying you know also draconian and horrible but we just don't offer toilet paper bring your own if you need any just that's carry they, it around with you that's what they do in singapore with napkins yeah right like they don't give napkins at restaurants or at food stations because like they don't want people to just toss them on the ground i know so you a, either have to pay for them it's a nightmare yeah. if you're ever trying to eat like crap like a giant like singaporean crab and they <laughs> give you like one lemon scented uh, wet towelette I mean, well, it is a disaster. There like, is just no doubt in my mind that if I lived in Singapore, I would just proudly sport stains all over my shoe because <laughs> I would just be like, got to wipe my face somehow. Yeah. Exactly. I'm not going to carry paper yeah. with me everywhere. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's kind of their, like, that. It, I'm not saying that that's why they're rationing toilet paper in Beijing, but I mean, I, they're not the only ones that are, like, rationing, um, you know, personal hygiene products. <laughs> but I would like, like, a full-on, like, Ken Burton-style documentary <laughs> of, like... What, like, how bad was this crisis of to toilet paper theft? Do you remember that scene in Demolition Man where Sylvester Stallone can't figure out how to use the three, three seashells? So he just starts swearing at the, at like the vulgarity ticket machine. So that yes. becomes his toilet paper. Like, Sylvester Stallone was like the very first person to hack the Beijing toilet paper machines. The place where you're supposed to have the toilet paper, you got this little shelf with three seashells on it. <laughs> He doesn't know how to use the three seashells. <laughs> as sure as there are stars above.
Jackson's final thoughts. As digital marketers, we're always looking for that edge. In 2017, it's tough to watch marketing dollars continue to be spent on mediums that lack the data-driven metrics and targeting that platforms like Facebook provide. It's tougher to see that data just standing by and not being used at all, when it's right there to help us connect users along their journeys. And while the notion of personalization could have a little of that big brother is watching creep factor, that intersection of data and customized experiences is where all digital is going. But it's not easy. An Economist Intelligent Unit poll found that 63% of customers felt numb by their personalized experience. Probably not the outcome you want to have once you've spent a fortune on your data lake infrastructure. The challenge is that what we call personalization is more likely just a half-hearted segmenting exercise and not personal at all tailored based on your location or your gender or what you looked at on the online store just before. No wonder it feels numb. The truth is, data is hard and putting it to use is harder. Worse, we still see websites and content not speaking directly to that golden audience of one. The New York Times is embarking on a personalization of their website and apps. Hilariously, Digiday reported almost immediately after announcing this that readers were furious over these plans, calling it Facebooking and the news is not Netflix. Both great t-shirt slogans, by the way. Perhaps news isn't the right place to play the personalization game. But I would think that news still needs to capture both people's imaginations and attention and deliver an experience that's valuable to customers, not just a stream of news. Years ago, back when there were still Flash websites and we were in the heyday of corporate microsites, the analogy we often talked about when designing for the web was that you were now just a foot away from your target audience and talking directly to them. It's still true. When you look for articles about data and personalization, you get 116,000 news results. Companies like Netflix are leading the way, spending considerable effort and dollars to make their shows and categories personalized for, for every user. And they're doubling down on ensuring that they can test and iterate on every pixel of creative for every title in their collection. And it works. Stats show that when you can personalize, you see up to 20% increases in sales. Only with data and a real plan to use that data can you take the important step towards creating better long-term digital experiences. It's that simple. That old saying about assuming making an ass out of you and me still rings true. Do your research, collect the data, uncover your insights, and for the love of all that is holy, please make better user experiences. 